Nahida, hada who? <laughs> Nervous laughter. Hey. Uh, Ola, my husband's in uh, Colombia giving a message this morning at the same time, so that's cool. Um, but thankfully, I get to speak my native language, so that's good. Um, but it's a native language that my parents taught me. They're watching from live stream. Thank you, mom and dad, because the message I'm giving today is a message that they live and was, I became convinced of it 20 years ago. So this is a message embedded in my heart, and I'm thankful to get to share with you. You probably have heard me say it, and will hear me say it again, but we'll see what happens. Um, we have been looking at what the letter of Philippians and Paul's instructions to the church of Philippi, and how can we gain instruction for us, his people, his church today from this letter that Paul wrote to them? right? Paul's writing from a prison. Rome's now rubble. We have the letter. Let's see what's happening. Before we do, um, could we look at some things in our own lives just to get us started? Because the Lord wants to, like what's all been shared this morning, the Lord wants to meet us right where we are. He wants to show that he is right here and he has an invitation for us right where we are. Not if we got cleaned up, not if our goals were better, not if our to-do list was on point, not if we set our alarm at 5 a.m. He wants to meet us right now. So could we contemplate for a moment what our goals in life are right now and what are the things that concern you? probably isn't hard to come up with it, right? It's on the forefront of your mind, right? Okay, what about as we go into the text, as you know where I'm going to go, scripture after scripture, and it's going to be awesome. What might Paul have been, what might have been Paul's goal as we look at this? What might he have been concerned about as he's in prison he, his death is coming soon, but he hopes that he can be with these people, the Philippians, whom he loves. He hopes he can be with them. He's in prison. He's, his death is coming soon. What might he be concerned about? What might his goal be? Think about these questions as we go into the text. Is that all right? Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are very near, and thank you for your invitation to us to walk with you. Please open our hearts and our minds to your scriptures, to the truth of who you are. We've been under a cloud all week. We've been living in this world. It's all around us, swarming and sliming us. Please bring us into what's true again this morning. Remind us of who you are what you're like, what you've done, and what that means for us. Please de-slime us as we walk into your truth this morning in your word. Please help us open our eyes and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that the Lord wants to open our eyes to something that's all around us today. And so, you ready to read Philippians together? Not the whole thing this time. Um... So at, right before this starts, Paul's just going on about how awesome he was, like how he was killing it at life and actually killing Christians. 
he was killing it. He was, he used the word flawless. He was flawless in how he was living, right? And so this is where we enter in. Philippians 3, verse 7. You ready? But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Look, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at this goal, but I am pressing on to take hold for that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider yet my, myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Join together. Here's what Israel talked on. Join together in following my example brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I've often told you before, and now tell you again, even through tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is death. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Listen, therefore, in light of all this, brothers and sisters, those I love and long for, you are my joy and my crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. Please. Isn't that powerful? He's writing that from prison. He's saying, I had it all. I was on the top, and I consider it trash. Anything I had accumulated for myself in this life, I considered it trash in light of who Jesus is. He was worth it all. And even, I'm in prison right now. Let's go. He's the one I'm pressing on to. That's pretty crazy. Jesus was more valuable and is more valuable than everything that Paul could attain in this life. Right? He said it was trash to him. And he lived in that way. And he set us an example that we can follow in his footsteps. What I want to talk about today is that we have our citizenship in heaven. The former way was setting our hearts on earthly things, but now the Lord has set us free to think about things in a new way 
and he has been the one to teach us how to do it and show us the value of who he is. And this is a new reality, and it's supreme hope for the future. You know, when Paul's saying he is, um, Jesus is our Savior, look what he says. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. You know who he was talking to? Do you remember the context of these people? They're in a highly nationalistic place. The people who had served in the Roman army, this is where they went to retire. This is filled with veterans and people who served their country and love Rome. And using that same word that they did, a savior from there. You know who was the Roman savior? Was their emperor, Caesar, right? That was their savior. And he said, I'm your savior. I'm your peace. And Paul's saying, that was the case, but uh, foreshadowing, you're coming to nothing. Your end is destruction. But actually, now that we have been birthed in Jesus, we have no king but Jesus. We have no king but Jesus. I'm telling you, he's our savior. He's your peace. He's worth it all. He, I'm, it's all trash next to him. His value is so great. It's all trash next to him. Should we keep going? Look, you want to hear what Jesus said? <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> Jesus said this to us. Hey, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. You know what? It didn't, you know why the world didn't hate Jesus? Because he stood for his rights and had a great agenda. They, they killed him and were against him because he was following the Father. He was doing exactly what he saw the Father doing. Not because he was holding on to anything but him and saying, here's the truth of the matter. This is who God is. You want to join me? Let's go. Oh, you don't? I'll see you later. You know? Th this is all I have to bring you is the good news of who God is and what he's done. That's why people hated him, and that's why they're going to hate us. We will become weird because we live in a foreign place, and this is not our home. All around us, the world's swirly, twirly gumdrops, and it's making us sick, you know? Jesus said this, look, if you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. But as it is, you don't belong to the world. You belong to me. All of us who've put our trust in Jesus, we belong to him. And he says, I've chosen you out of this world. You belong to me now. You're citizens of heaven, right? The blood that runs through you is my love. Your last name, my name. Your country, me. It's all him. Look at what John says. Spent a lot of time with Jesus. He said, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Can we identify those things in the world around us? They come not from the Father, but from the world. Look, the world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Amen? 
The world and its desires are passing away. We can't hold on to them. Even if we wanted to, it's slipping through our fingers. It will pass away and already is, right? What formerly was the thing is rubble. And we're looking to Jesus. Listen to this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We no longer hold the viewpoint of the world. That is a former viewpoint and that's not our view any longer. But it's all around us, seeping in on us every day, saying, this is what's normal, this is what's normal, this is what's normal, this is what's normal, until you're like, oh, that's what's normal. Yeah, got it, right? It's screaming at us because we're living here, a viewpoint that's no longer our viewpoint. He's our viewpoint. He's our vantage point. He's our life. Jesus is everything. We belong to him. And he has a new viewpoint for us. And that's why I always say every single thing we know is wrong when we come to him. Everything we backloaded into our relationship with him is wrong. How we relate to each other, how we live, how we look at money, how we Um, buy things, what we value, all those things are wrong. They were all the viewpoint of the world. And he rescued us from those things and has said, I'm with you and I'll teach you how to go. I'll teach you everything new. It's not what you thought before. That was the viewpoint of the world. Now let me tell you what's true, right? Don't we want to know what's true and be walking in that viewpoint? Okay, you want to hear more about what Paul says about it? (laughs) He's helping us. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Right? Paul's saying the exact same thing he's saying again to the Colossians. He's saying that this is what it's going to be like for you. You're going to need to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, right? Those things were normal in the life we once lived and also to the people all around us every day. They were normal to us. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of God, your creator. And look, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, giving thanks to God, our father through him. In light of what Jesus has done, how are we going to live? 
We're constantly before him saying, rid us of these things from the former way. The lust of our eyes, the pride of life, the things we could accumulate, please rid us of these things. These are from the former way and they don't belong to us any longer. This isn't the way forward. It's a way backward, right? And many scriptures talk about these things. But how are we going to live in light of what he's done? He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. Who do you all work for? Jesus. We belong to him. He's paying our bills. He's paying our paychecks. He's the one we work for. If we're showing up on time, it's because we're working for Jesus. If we're working hard, it's because we're working for Jesus. He is the one we're working for. In whatever it is we're doing, it's unto him because he's our master. He's our Lord. He's the king of the nation that we live in. Do you concur? We live as secret agents here, right? We have superpowers. We can know things and have power within us beyond ourselves to know and do things outside that we couldn't possibly have done without him. We have a plan and a mission. We're in a foreign place. We've been dropped out and say, hey, I'm coming back for you. You know the mission. Stick to the plan, right? And gather around the other people who know the plan too so they can encourage you in it, right? When we're in a coffee shop, we're there as secret agents. We're with our friends. We're doing it. But we're there as secret agents. What does he want to do? He just put the children of God in this place. What's his next move? Right? Okay, let's see what Peter says. We've heard John, Jesus, Paul, but what does Peter say? Here, this is going to help us. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, They're all pleading with us and the people they're writing to, right? I urge you, I love you, please stand fast in this, right? As foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, those who don't know God, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. You know, we saying, Lord, glorify yourself. He wants us to glorify him, right? He's working through us to glorify himself, but we bring glory to him when we live unto him. We say, you're my king, you're my master. When we do good deeds among those who don't know God and stick to the plan, his agenda only, we are doing good deeds among the pagans and they can glorify God and say, he, he's there. Look at what Peter says. Submit yourself to the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors 
who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. You think he's talking about God-fearing people? Probably not. Uh, yeah, we kind of know not, right? For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silent the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. We are serving him. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Are we going to get caught up in the worldview of this world? Or are we going to stick to the plan that he gave us to honor the people around us, to do the work, keep our head down, do the work he asked us to do, and fix our eyes that he is coming back for us and he set us free from this former way. He set us free that our citizenship is in heaven. It will never end. We will not die. Even though we die, we'll live. In the former way, we, our deaths were imminent. And he set us free from that. We get to bring his kingdom. And you know what the currency of the kingdom is? Is mercy. Formerly, we hadn't been shown mercy, but now we had everything we've done. The list that he lists out in Colossians. He's delivered us from. He forgave us from it. He, kept, he keeps pouring out his mercy onto us even now and brought us into his family. We think money's our currency. That's a joke. Money is useful to us. We see Jesus paid his taxes. He, he used money and currency, but his aim was Jesus. We can use those things to our advantage and to further God's kingdom, but that's not the currency we're moving in. We're moving in the currency of mercy to tell people the truth about who God is and receive his salvation, not because we did anything, but because he did it. And we're honoring him. We are not a part of the plots and the plans of this world. We are a part of one plan. It's Jesus' plan. His plan is for his people to come together. We're a part of it now. We're gathering together in his name. This is what he asked us to do. Be his church family. Can you turn to someone and say, we are doing it now. <laughs> we are the church. All these people who've been with Jesus and heard his teachings are saying the same thing to us. There's more than what we're living. Paul's in prison. It's actual suffering. He's not diminishing that. Right? He's not saying, I'm looking for heaven. We're all good here. He's saying, I'm actually suffering and in prison for the sake of the gospel. Right? He was living in the present but for the future. He wasn't so heavenly-minded. What is so heavenly-minded? You're no earthly good. You know, like, dude, you're in prison. You're suffering. It's not cool, you know? Don't tell me it's not, right? But he's saying, yeah, whatever it is, Jesus is more valuable. Whether it is or it isn't, I'm good. I am good, right? 
Listen to what he says. Paul said to the Philippians, as he's in prison, this is before the text we read, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm enchained for Jesus Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He uses his awful change, chains, he uses being enchained to advance the gospel. He's keeping track on the goal. It's a heavenward thing that more people could come to know Jesus because of his suffering, right? He's using it to the advantage of the kingdom. He's capitalizing on even the suffering he's facing towards the end of the kingdom and building it. His safety and, his, and security is in Jesus. It's not in whether he gets out of prison, right? Our safety and security is in Jesus, whether he moves mountains for us or not. He will move mountains, and we've seen him do it. Many of us testify that that is the case, right? He's with him now in prison, and he's our safety and security. It wasn't if he got out of prison that was going to make things okay. It was, I'm on a mission and we'll do whatever it takes because you're with me and you're worth it. Now, you might be living on earth here and be like, whoa, cool, those aren't going to be, that's, that's just impossible for that to be my agenda. You know? I'm going to capitalize everything for this. Jesus knows, he, I said he paid taxes, he prepared food, he um, took naps. Jesus knows what it's like to live as we do, you know, and have the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Keep propelling him towards, not what I want to do, but what you want to do, Jesus, through me. And he found it to be better, and so did Paul. I think what the Lord's saying to us today is that it's more of an invitation. I, I, if we're sitting on a beach and we're looking out at the ocean and we're, the sun is shining on us and we're saying, oh, you are beautiful. Look at, look at this. The ocean, it smells good. I feel the breeze. I feel the sand in my toes. It's great with you. It's a great life with you. And I'm looking at the surface of things. And he's saying, hey, I want you to buy a snorkeling mask and begin to go into the water. And we're like, it's cold. What if I can't swim away fast enough? That's what I say. <laughs> what if I see something that may be beautiful that I don't want to be near? <laughs> he is calling us into the depths with him. It's the only way for us to see how valuable he really is and how he is with us to the very end, even though we live as aliens in this jacked up place, right? A broken place that's coming to nothing. We live as his children and he's with us. He's in us. He's saying, I want you to go from the beach, that's beautiful life, 
but I want you to go into the water with me and see some more things, see the depth of who I am, right? And then he say, I, I think, I know this is going to be more expensive. You have to get more equipment, and it might be life-threatening, but I want you to get a scuba set and go even deeper with me, right? Terrifying to me. Right? He says, I'll be your air, I'll be your oxygen, I'll be your security, and I'll go down there with you because there I am. Come and be down in the depths of me and see what I see, how Jesus is more valuable than the right here and right now. The things of this earth are going to grow strangely dim, right, in light of who he is, in light of his glory and grace. It's not that, oh, don't look at the surface of things, only look at heaven. He said before, those people's minds were set on earthly things. The goals they had, the concerns they had were all for the things they could see. But I'm telling you, there's something greater. It's Jesus. And he wants to go to the depths with us. He wants to take us down scuba diving and say, you never even knew this existed. Let's go. This is beautiful. I know it's beautiful on the beach, but take it to the water. We're going to have to keep pressing in with him and eagerly await his return. It's hard to remember he's coming back and that we have a mission. But we have to remind ourselves, as long as we have today, we have to remind each other, he will come back for us. Look at what he says and promises. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. You know the where. You know the place. You know where it is. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we possibly know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the real truth. I'm the only agenda you have to care about. Come to the depths with me because I am the only way forward, he's inviting us this morning. Go to the depths with me. I am the only way forward for us. We are citizens of heaven. Our only allegiance is to Jesus. We essentially are neutral parties here because we're on a mission and we're not going to get involved in civilian affairs. The Lord is our king and we will serve him. We have got to press on and it's a good life with him. Not just in the days to come, but even now, his spirit's with us. He's present with us. Could we stand together and pray an allegiance to him? Lord, please help us to stay focused on your reign and your kingdom coming. Let's pray this allegiance prayer together. Is that okay? Lord Jesus, I pledge my life to you, both present and future. You are my king forever. Your kingdom will never end. You will return for us like you promised. 
Please help me to eagerly await your return and join you in your kingdom work. There is no one beside you. In you alone is all my peace, my life, my hope, my future, my freedom, and my salvation. Please wake up my heart to the hope of a future with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace to love and serve him, secret agents in a foreign place. It's our life.